And the guy right in the front row was, went to sleep. So I told the usher, I say, that guy in the front row sleep and wake him up. The usher said, you put him to sleep, you wake him up. Hey, how come people laugh more at Caleb's jokes than mine? Well, we're going to continue on Pastor George's sermon from last week. Last week he spoke on spiritual warfare. He spoke on the, on the Christian being a warrior, fighting the enemy. Because you have a spiritual enemy, and it's not your husband, it's not your neighbor, it's not your family member, but in the spiritual world, there are spirits of darkness and wickedness, and they're out to separate you from God, to mess you up emotionally, and to steal, kill, and destroy everything you have. But thank God that you have a God that lives in you that's greater than any enemy. You have authority, the Bible says, to trample all over his head. So I'm going to start right now on 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2, and then I'll go back to chapter 10. It says, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. This is Paul speaking. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. And what it's saying here is that the Bible is comparing the people of God, the church, to a bride. Now, when it speaks of the bride, don't think masculine or feminine. What it's doing is painting a picture of who you are as a Christian and who you are to God. And what it's saying is that even in your mess, even in your immaturity, even on your worst day, when God looks at you, you are fully loved, unconditionally accepted. He looks at you with the same burning passion that a bridegroom looks at the bride on the wedding day. And I'm talking about the best of the bridegrooms, the fairy tale bridegroom, with the same love when, he, when God sees you. His heart burns. You, you have touched his heart just as a bride touches a bridegroom. That's who you are. A lot of men get tripped up on that because of the picture of the bride. But in Song of Solomon 6.10, it says this isn't just a regular bride. This is a bride that's as majestic as an army with billowing banners. In other words, it's a warring bride. you got to be tough to be in this bride. This ain't no sissy bride picture. This is for men, women, who will receive the love of God. And what, it's, what Paul is saying, when God sees you, he sees you with his arms wide open. He's saying, never run away from God. When you're in a mess, when you messed up, never run away from church. Never, never be ashamed to go to God. He's like a bridegroom that will always keep taking you back. 
That's his love for you, and that's who you are. And any other thought that comes in your head that you're not that is a lie. You need to get rid of that stuff. In, in Ephesians 5:27, it says, "Christ makes the whole the church. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty." Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. That's your identity. When God looks at you, because of what Jesus did on the cross, he doesn't look at you as a failure, as a sinner. He looks at you as perfect. He doesn't treat you according to the way that you deserve or none of us would make it. We might as well get up and go home. But because of his love and his grace, he sees you as the perfect bride dressed in a beautiful gown of white. And it's the job of the church to help you to act like it, to think like it. I'm going to go down now to verse 3. But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So before I explain that about Eve, I'm going to go back to chapter 10, verse 4, which Pastor George um, read last week. It says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You know what it's saying? It's saying we got to fight against the stronghold of the enemy. That's a military term. You know what a stronghold is? It's a fortress. Do you know that if you allow it, the enemy will build a stronghold or a fortress in your head, in your emotions, and you'll be deceived. You'll start to believe a lie. It says take every thought captive. You know what that means? This might, you need to listen to this. You might be surprised, but every thought that comes in your head is not your thought. Everything that you think isn't coming from you. That's where the enemy's tripping you up. Some thoughts that come in your head come from God. You know when we say, well, God spoke to me? You know what that means? God dropped a thought into your head. He might say, I love you. He, he might tell you, stop, stop that lying. Whatever it is, God can speak to you, and that's how he speaks. He puts thoughts in your head. So not every thought comes from you. Some thoughts come from God. When we do prophetic ministry, but many times we just wait and God will put God thoughts in our, in our minds and we speak them out. But not only do you have your own thoughts, 
and God puts thoughts in your head, but did you know that the devil can put thoughts into your mind? That's why it says take every thought captive. When you get those thoughts, I hate how I look. I hate who I am. Nothing good's ever going to happen to me. That, those are not your thoughts. Those thoughts are coming from hell, and the enemy is building a fortress right here in your head, and you believe it, and you walk around kicking yourself, hating yourself. When there is a God who loves you, who values you, who cherishes you, instead of listening to that voice, there's a voice that will come in your head, even while you're worshiping, and the voice will come. What are you doing here? These people don't care about you. You could be reading the Bible, and you can't focus because the enemy's speaking junk into your mind. He'll give you false doctrines into your head, lies about who God is. And I've seen many people who used to worship here just like you, and you know where they are right now? They are partying somewhere because the devil built a fortress in their head and they believe the lie about who God is. You have to examine your thought. This is where the warfare comes in. And you know when it comes in? When you wake up at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning and the thoughts start to come, you'll never pay that bill. Your husband will never change. Those are lies from hell. What you do is when that thought comes, you rebuke it in Jesus' name. And you start to proclaim the promises of God. Let me, let me give you an example of this from Psalm 13. This is King David speaking. This was his prayer. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? See, that's a lie that the enemy is telling some of you. The Lord's showing me that some of you believe that God forgot about you. How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? I'm going to go down to verse 5. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. See, the enemy was speaking lies in his head. God forgot you. You'll never have nothing. You'll never get the victory. You're going to stay in your mess till the day you die. Does that voice sound familiar to some of you? And what did, what did he do? He began to praise God. He said, God, I trust in you. I sing praise to you. And as soon as you do that, that's warfare. That's why the worship is so important, Alice. Because as you worship, as you sing to God, the enemy begins to run. You want to chase the devil out of your house? You begin to put on worship music. And you begin to worship God because the Bible says that God, he lives in your praises. The devil cannot exist amidst the praise of God. 
So now I'm going to go back to the story about Eve. Some of you remember a few years ago, in the church here, we went through the book of Genesis. And from Genesis chapter 3, it talks about Eve. Now, God had told Adam and Eve, the first people, he put all these trees in the garden, but he said this one tree you cannot eat from. So, verse 3, it talks about the serpent, but who is the serpent? It was the devil in disguise. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. One day he asked a woman, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only from the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden we are not allowed to eat. So the first thing the devil does is plant, plant doubts in your head about what God really said. Did God really say that you can't go out and get drunk once in a while? Did God really say that you can't go cheat on, cheat on your husband once a year? He didn't really say that, did he? That's how the devil speaks. He gets you to start to doubt what God says. He'll cause confusion in your head. You better know the Word of God if you're going to make it. Forget about just listening to sermons. You better have a Bible in your house, and you got to know what God says. I'm tired of people coming to me and saying, Well, I love Jesus, but I don't know His Word. If you don't know his word in these last days, you're going to be deceived. Verse 3, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat, God said. You must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God. And the woman was convinced, and she disobeyed the God who loved her to obey the devil who was out to kill and destroy her. Because what did the devil say? God, he just wants to cheat you. He knows that if you eat that fruit, you'll be just like him. You'll know the stuff he knows. What is he saying? God, is, God doesn't want you to have any fun. God, God just wants to, he wants to hold you back. Can I tell you that any, anything in the Bible that God tells you not to do, it's for your own good? He doesn't want to steal your fun. He's not boring. He doesn't want to cheat you of a good time. But one, all it takes is one night to destroy your life. One lazy night to forget about God. And, and you put yourself back years. One bad decision because you disobeyed what God said. We got to live a lifestyle of hearing the voice of God and obeying. Because that devil's a liar. God doesn't want to cheat you out of fun because that fun lasts for one night and you pay for it for the next 20 years. 
It says in Ephesians 4.3, Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God. See, as you spend time with God, as you worship Him, as you read the Word, God is changing your mind to, so that you think like He thinks. You want to have victory in your life, you need the mind of Christ. So I'm going to go down now to chapter 11, back to chapter 11, verse 4. Now it's the first battlefront it was addressing was the battlefield of the mind. The second, now we're going to discuss another battlefield of, of deception. Chapter 11, verse 4. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the Holy Spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. And I will keep on doing what I am doing in order to cut the ground from under those who want an opportunity to be considered equal with us in the things they boast about. And here's the main part. For such people are false apostles, deceitful workers, masquerading as apostles of Christ, and no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising, then, if his servants also masquerade as servants of righteousness. In other words, you might have the wrong idea of how the devil comes. You might think of an ugly guy with a pitchfork bringing war and sickness and hatred. And he does come like that, but he knows he won't be able to fool you. Do you know that not everyone who walks through the door of a church is who they say that they are? You know that... See, if somebody walks in and starts screaming, I hate Jesus, and starts carrying on, we'll just say they're from the devil. We'll know right away. We'll, we'll deal with them. That's not how the devil comes into a church. He comes in with a guy with a suit and a big Bible, screaming hallelujah. Walk right up here. They always want to sit in the front, and they always got to speak to the pastor. And their real motive is to bring destruction. They start going up to people in the church. I just hear a word from the Lord. This church doesn't really appreciate who you are. And they come and start to bring division. There are people who will walk through the doors of a church who are wolves and womenizers. They're just there to mess up women and leave to bring destruction, and they don't come like you think. It's the guy that comes looking so holy. It's, we've had plenty of people come in crying and kneeling. Oh, I just want Jesus. And, oh, I just got to talk to someone. And then when you bring them to talk to them, after all that throwing scriptures and, and I love Jesus, it always comes to the same thing. And all I need is a hundred bucks. 
You use it pretending to be who they're not in order to get something out of you. You, you have to know people by the Spirit. Don't receive ministry from anyone, even in this church that just walked in the door. And you don't know who they are. Don't let them pray for you. Or wherever you go, people, oh, I'm, I'm a prophet, I'm a minister. I, I want to know who they are, who they're accountable to, what church they belong to. I don't take ministry from lone wolves because I don't want people imparting the devil wrong words. Sometimes I get prophetic, oh, I got a word from the Lord for you. And by the time they're finished, I feel like I got puked all over. If a word is from God, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 14.3, it's going to encourage you. It's going to build you up or comfort you. It's not going to tear you up. It's not going to condemn you. It's not going to bring fear or suspicion. Be careful. See, the people we have ministering in this church, the people on the worship team, these are people we know, people who have been proven to walk right before God, and we trust them to minister to you. But be careful of those, he's saying, that masquerade as an angel of light because there are a lot of imposters. And that's true in the church, and it's also true in your personal life. Not everyone you meet out there is who they say they are. The devil comes as an angel of life. Maybe you're a married man, and there's a so-called Christian woman at work at your job, and she wants to have Bible studies with you alone. Oh, I just got him. The Lord's showing me stuff. Come into this room, and before you know it, she got your heart. Or, or maybe you're a single woman, and you meet this guy. Well, he's not really a Christian, but he's open to coming to church, and he'll come a few times, and then he'll say, Why do we always have to do what you got to do? Why can't you come to this party? Why do you got to keep listening to that music? And if you give your heart to that person, sooner or later you're going to disappear like the hundreds I've seen. Hundreds of single people who I knew that had a destiny, who once loved God, they give their heart away to an imposter, to a fake, to the devil coming as an angel of light. Look at this, down to verse 19. You have such admirable tolerance for imposters who rob your freedom, rip you off, steal you blind, put you down, and even slap your face. Especially single people, stop connecting yourself with those people. And, oh, but they love me. But I know God's going to do something. You don't deserve it. Why? Because what we say in the beginning, you are a beautiful bride. If you're single, you need, you need to find the, 
man or woman who is going to value you. And I said it before, the way that we use the word single is wrong. Single doesn't mean I don't have a boyfriend. Single means that there's no man or woman who values me enough to dedicate and commit the rest of their lives to loving me. That's what single means. Married doesn't mean that you're hanging out with someone. Married means that you've got a ring on your finger and a commitment by someone to be with you through, through sickness and health, through rich or poor, whatever comes. That's what marriage is. And I see so many singles being torn away by, by the devil masquerading his life. Oh, he's just so wonderful. Oh, and he's not like all the other ones. Can I tell you something? He's just like all the other ones. I've seen it so many times. My heart breaks when I see beautiful men and women of God, young people who used to love to worship, who, 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 who knew the Word, and you, I saw the greatness in them. And then all of a sudden, they gave their heart away to the wrong person that drew them away from, from their destiny, from the God, the God who's passionately in love with you. Save your heart for Him. The devil could come as great music that you love with a crazy beat. But the lyrics are all about glorifying hell. It could be about a job a tremendous job opportunity that once you take it, you never have time for God again. There's a word in the Bible called discernment. You need to know what's God and what isn't. You gotta, that's why you need to know, not only know the Word of God, but you need to know the heart of God. And in, with the heart of God is he wants his best for you. There's always a second chance. There's always restoration. I'm just going to read one last scripture. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. Guard your heart above, above all else, for it determines the course of your life. You've got to resist the enemy. You've got to put a guard over your heart. And I'm going to ask Veronica and her team to get ready. I just want to thank Veronica for putting this together because this is a perfect picture of what I've been speaking about today.
Amen. And I know it's hot, but you could go to Yankee Stadium later and cool off because there's a lot of fans there. I still can't beat Caleb. I don't know. See, there we go. See, that just gave a perfect picture because that's the heart of Jesus. He, he wants to be with you. He wants to love you. He wants times of intimacy. He wants to dance with you. And there's an enemy that wants to pull you away. So I'm, I'm going to ask my daughter to come up right now, Margot. And I'm just going to ask her to pray right now in Jesus' name. And if you're going through a battle in your life, I'm going to ask you to stand because we're going to pray to break the power of it. See, I go through a battle every day. The enemy tries to bring discouragement into my head. I'm battling on every front. See, I I need prayer today. So if that's you, you're in a battle. You need a breakthrough. The weapons of your warfare are not of this world, the Scripture said, but they're spiritual. So we're going to battle over you right now in the Spirit. And I'm also going to ask CJ to get ready again. There's a war over your spirit. And right now, I challenge you, Jesus is challenging you. And saying, he's saying, take this seriously. There is no time to waste. Tomorrow is not promised to you. You don't know what's about to happen in your life. Take this war seriously. There's a real battle. It's more real than any natural war that's going on in the world. There's a battle over your soul. And the devil really wants you in hell forever. There are demons that would love to cast you into the lake of fire with them. They'd love to send you there by temptations and pulling on your heart. Jesus is saying, will you take this battle seriously? Will you truly guard your heart with everything inside of you? Will you give God your all? There's a war over your spirit. Are you going to choose to hand your spirit over to the devil and say, Here, have your way in my life? Or are you going to say, With everything, I'm going to guard what God has given me. I'm going to guard my heart from wrong relationships. I'm going to guard my heart from drug addictions, alcoholism. What are you going to choose today? And so right now, in Jesus' name, if you're choosing to follow Jesus with all of your heart, and you're saying, I'm willing to go to the front lines of the battlefield, if you're saying, I'm choosing to be serious about eternity, about my soul right now, then I challenge you to give God your heart afresh today. Put it on the altar and say, Lord, burn me. Burn, burn me with your fire, Jesus. Purge my heart. And so right now, I can break stuff off of you all day, but if you don't repent on your own, if you don't choose life and choose Jesus, it's 
not going to work. And so right now, under your breath, whatever, whatever you have to do, tell Jesus you're sorry right now for whatever that is that you've been giving into. It might not seem as big as a drug addiction, but it might be something that seems smaller like lying or gossiping, cheating, whatever it is. I want you to tell Jesus you're sorry, and then I'm going to agree with you and break stuff off of your life. But right now, you have to do your part and repent to the Lord. Tell Jesus you're sorry. If you have to kneel on the ground, then get on the floor. Lift up your hands, whatever it is. If you have to go to the back in the corner to feel alone with God, then do whatever it takes. Get rid of the distractions right now in Jesus' name. So, Holy Spirit, I ask you to convict every heart Convict us of our sin. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We receive the power of your blood today. I speak a cleansing over you as you choose to repent. As you choose to forgive those that have hurt you. Just let Jesus cleanse you right now. I plead the blood of Jesus over your life. There's a war over your soul. Choose righteousness. Choose the power of his blood to wash you clean. Holy Spirit, take over. Holy Spirit, take control. I pray for the wind of your spirit to blow through this place, to radically transform every life here. I pray, God, for a willingness in every heart here to choose you no matter what the price. The price of ruining your life as you choose the enemy is so much worse than the sacrifice that you have to make to follow Jesus. Choose the Lord over that ungodly relationship. Choose the Lord over lying, over alcoholism. Choose the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, take over. And right now, in Jesus' name, I break off all that heaviness that's been weighing you down. And I plead the blood of the Lamb over your mind, your will, your emotions. And I declare that you're being set free by the power of His blood. That every chain is breaking off of your life in the name of Jesus. And I declare the battle is already won over your life. In Jesus' name. Because Jesus is fighting this battle for you. The victory is yours because he is the victorious warrior. And he is fighting for you. He is fighting this battle in your family. He's fighting this battle over your marriage. It seems like your marriage has been falling apart. But God is turning things around for you right now. Just receive that breakthrough. And also, there's a battle over your physical body. And right now, in Jesus' name, I speak victory over your bodies right now. And I speak healing to your body in the name of Jesus. Just receive it in Jesus' name. The the Lord gave me a picture on how to close today. We're not going to pray for everyone individually unless you...